0: Daddy, lady, the book club of love. <laughs> love, 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 love. Hey, your Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara Ann. Um, was, was oh, you were asking me if I had if I had anything. Yeah. Okay, I wrote you a song this morning. Uh, let's hear it. My tween. you're yeah, my beautiful girl. I have a scene in the world. My tweet sister girl and my twin yeah that's all i have though what do you have yeah what do i have bb last night we recorded the last episode yeah (laughs) and now so this is movie magic right here yes it is this podcast magic this episode is going to come out Probably a week after the last one. But I just saw you last night, girlfriend. That's true, girlfriend. Yeah. T- I talked about my knee surgery. Yeah. Well, I told you I wanted to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I ended up saying goofy stuff. Yeah. That's not what I wanted to say about it. What do you want to say? I wanted to say that my husband, Blaine Patch has been absolutely amazing. Taking care of me. Tell me more. It reminds me of why marriage is good. He's just been, here's the thing about me, okay? Are you ready? Yeah. This is going to explain a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you know how I'm sort of like hyper independent? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, like I self-taught myself all this stuff so that I could do our website and graphics and then movies and then. Yeah. So I didn't have to rely on anyone and then I decided to learn how to sew and now I make dresses and, and it might seem really cool that I know how to do all this stuff, but it's really because I don't want to have to rely on anybody else. hmm Blaine took me to the doctor to get my knee surgery, and I was like, okay, thanks, bye. And he's like, well, I, th- I, I thought I was going to wait for you. And I was like, no, you don't have to do that. And he's like, well, why not? And then I realized that when he, 10 years ago, he had gotten surgery, I waited the whole time um, for him to have his surgery, and then I remembered, like, oh, that's what people do. Mm-hmm. Like, it did not occur to me that he might wait for the surgery, but I sent him away anyway. What if there had been a complication? Well, I didn't want him to be bored, but hey. then he picked but then he picked me up okay and then he has done stuff like everything for me he's done driving and getting me stuff and doing lawn my laundry and i'll wake up and everything in the house looks great whoa and it's really been a revelation that it took me not being able to walk for a couple of days to realize that i need people isn't that weird and that, I, and that's, that is <laughs> that there's a lot going on there. There is a lot going on there. How does it feel to rely on people? Or do you think that you do you think that your attitude towards relying on people has changed from this experience? I think it has. I find it scary to rely on people because I think I'm afraid they're going to let me down. Yep. That's <laughs> you. Yeah. But then I relied on somebody because I didn't have a choice. And he, and he did it willingly, like he didn't even think about it. And I just, for some reason, find that really unusual. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that weird? What does that say about me? I don't think it's terrible or weird. Those are not words I would use to describe that. But I think that's, I think that's something to examine. Yeah. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked relying on somebody. I bet this brought you guys closer together. It did. And um, it was uh, interesting to think about 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I was pregnant and uh, Blaine had cancer and we had to go through my pregnancy and his cancer surgery at the same time. That was a time I remember that really brought us together. Mm. I think that's a really good sign in a marriage when there's troubles and and you get closer because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Oh, that's really beautiful. I guess, yeah, I I guess I usually, like my default is not thinking I need anybody except except for my twin. Well, yeah, of course. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you didn't need to say that. That was just... Yeah, that's um, just a thing. Yeah, just a thing. Anyway, that's my revelation. That's my twin sight into my own life. I like it. I hope you think more about this. I am going to have to think more about this. Yeah, relying on people. Holy crap. Okay. Yeah. What about you, B? Well, I fixed the tub shower diverter by myself because... Yeah called a plumber and we were talking and he's like yeah that brand uh yeah I don't really know that brand and uh that's and then I said do you not want to do this job whoa and then he goes oh yeah I guess I yeah I guess I don't want to do this job thank you for your time and then I fucking did my own plumbing what (laughs) I don't want it's nice that you gave him the option (laughs) I was just he was like hemming and hawing and I was like fucker do you want a couple hundred bucks for 15 minutes worth of work or not I didn't Tell me what you did to fix a diverter because I just fixed my tushy. Let's compare notes, okay? I mean, are you a qualified medical professional? <laughs> Not my my bidet, Barbara. Not my oh. actual tushy. <laughs> you are you are four years old. Yes, Vera. Vera, I live with three six year olds, and then I you need to step up and be yeah. at least seven. <laughs> okay. okay? <laughs> Well, first I had to, well, it's, it's a Kingston brass, which is an unusual, it's not like a Home Depot or a super high end. And this is boring as shit. No, let's, you know let's, what, let's fucking talk about this for a minute. Okay. Seriously. So I have a three knob shower tub uh, situation. Uh-huh. and So you pop off the little thing in the middle, you unscrew the screw uh-huh. then you can take off the handle yeah. and then you need to turn. There's going to be a valve that's sticking out, you, you know, you unscrew it. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there's like the circular thing that goes against the tile. Uh-huh. pop that off yep. and then you have a an extender you pull that out uh-huh. and then there's the actual diverter pull that out and the, the tricky thing is that you have to put a gasket inside the part that where the water goes in oh first of all turn off your water oh yes how, how do you turn off the water well, for me, it's in the front of the house. There's, the, you know, some pipes and doodads sticking out. And then there's like a lever that you just twist down. So for the entire house, you turn off yes. the water. Okay. And then you have to, you have to put the gasket in and there's like little, you have to line up the holes and that's the hardest part because. Now I can see why he didn't want to do this job. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Well, you said, okay, line up the holes. Yeah. You, lo- and you lost see, me. See, yeah, I know. You lost me right there. I'm sorry. That's not worth a couple hundred bucks to me. Yeah. So it takes a while to do that, to get it just right. And then you put the new diverter. Whether or not your piece is still under warranty, and mine I knew was still under warranty, you call the manufacturer. If it's not a piece that's common and they'll send it to you probably for free. It might've cost like five bucks or 10 bucks or something if it wasn't under warranty, but I've gotten several pieces from them before for my other faucet, which I also fixed myself because no one would come. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you put it in. And then you have to put the diverter back in and it's kind of hard to do it. You have to push it back really hard. Again, I'm sorry. (laughs) Did you say kind of hard because I'm not? No, I'm out. I'm out. I didn't go to plumbing school for 10 years It It was like to push something kind of hard. It has to be not very hard or I'm out. I'm out. That's exactly. You know, I was so I so badly. And then you do everything else in reverse. I was so badly want to calm back and go like, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for, for teaching me. Yeah. Thank you for forcing me to call the manufacturer and have one more conversation. Yeah. Where the woman on the phone said, oh, I know how to help you. And then she gave me a little tip and then I did it. Well, Barbara, that is a great story. I guess I'm going to save my tushy story for later. Is that OK? <laughs> yes. OK. Yes. Yes. Shall we turn to the book now? Let's turn to the book. Okay, let's turn to the book. Now you have, you're going to do some recaps and then we're going to talk about a couple points, like one or two points per chap. Yeah, per chap. Okay. Um, I'm just going to do a real quick synopsis. Of course, you should go back and listen to the other episode, but I'm just going to catch our our pals up here in mm-hmm. case you haven't. This is a book by Florence. And the machine. No, Florence Williams. When she wrote it, she was about 50 year old woman. Uh, she's examining her heartbreak over divorce from her partner of 32 years. And she's cishet. Cishet. Um, and she's uh, she's doing this through science, mm-hmm. hence the name of the book, which is uh, Heartbreak, A Personal and Scientific Journey. Okay, we're at chapter four. So uh, and this one is called A Costly Life Event. How about this? I'm just gonna read uh, a sentence or two about each chapter and then you're gonna say some actual analytical points, okay? okay? A costly life event, Florence speaks to experts who confirm that heartbreak affects health by stressing out the body. Okay. You, Fura, I know. Thank you. You're welcome. You're awesome. Chapter five is called O.G. Sin. Florence meets a man named Ennis at a conference with whom she has a brief and deeply unsatisfying fling (laughs) and who ultimately rejects her. Then we're on to part two, chapter six. All pain is one malady or malady, depending on. malady. Yeah. Uh, With this new experience in mind, Florence examines social rejection. So those are the synopses of the three chapters that we're going on for today. Um, First of all, I want to say all the stuff in this book about how heartbreak affects someone is totally fucked in the tushy (laughs) if you're dealing with a narcissist. Uh Because the narcissist, and we keep saying we're going to do an episode just on narcissism, which I think is very important. But a narcissist will override your gut feelings by giving you misinformation, which would lead you to believe that you should stay. Yeah. So this stuff applies to two fairly healthy people. Yeah, that's a good disclaimer. Yeah. So I'm just going to find a cut one. Here's something I starred. Okay. On page 47 of a costly life event, um, there's a paragraph that says, but then came slightly more comforting news. So she's visited this... Bert Uccino. Yes. He is a professor... He's a per... Sorry. He's a per... <clears throat> He's a professor at the University of Utah. He studies uh, the physical and psychological effects of relationships. Uh, He told her about this uh, Danish study that followed 21,000 participants with a mean age of 57 for seven years. After adjusting for socioeconomic status, lifestyle factors, and psychiatric problems, researchers found that mortality increased 60 to 70 percent in the most socially isolated people, the strongest factor in the higher death rate, not having a spouse or partner. And then he also says that the single largest determinant of health in the US is wealth. Married people are more likely to accumulate resources, afford good health care and insurance, and live in healthful environments. Uh, so he's basically just like giving her lists of how she's screwed yeah, because she, she's <laughs> divorced. A, she says, um, I was like Please stop talking. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and then there's a big paragraph that goes, but then came slightly more comforting news to my jaundiced heart. Not all marriages are so helpful and healthful because not all marriages are good. In fact, about half of married people say their marriages are either so-so or worse than so-so. Confusingly, it's the so-so people who may face worse health problems. Uchino explained, when a marriage is clearly lousy and your partner withholds affection, you may develop escape or coping or compensating strategies. You know what to expect and what your marriage can and can't deliver. One friend of mine calls her marriage stable, miserable, and she actually manages pretty well. But when your partner is unreliable in offering love and support, Uchino calls this an ambivalent marriage, the pretty road to health appears far more treacherous. You get crushed by disappointment over and over again. Mm. So as sad as that all is, it's a message to get out of a situation that's not serving you. Yeah, because basically to boil it down, a good marriage is beneficial. A bad marriage can be sort of beneficial but not really you know I mean it's like you're coping you're just living your life coping it you're not put in constant like vigilance I guess and so-so means that you have no idea what's going on so you are hyper vigilant oh that's the worst yeah yeah I think I've I've suffered from hyper vigilance and it's just debilitating yeah because you're you're constant I've been in a couple relationships actually there's one where I was we worked together And so we drive to work separately. I remember just every morning driving to work. And then the only thing I thought about is like, what's going to happen today? What am I going to face? You know, this really bothered me. Like, how am I going to deal with it today? That's so boring. At the time, it was like the first, I know, now I know what that is. But at the time, I was like... I don't know. I was younger. I loved him. I hadn't had a long-term relationship in a long time. And I thought I need to stick with this because I had been through a divorce before. And there's just like my brain was telling me, you got to stick with this. You've got to figure it out. But it was unfigurable, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, I got, I created that groove in my brain. Yeah. And honestly, it's like once you have that groove in your brain, it doesn't go away. Yeah. It's a comforting place to be because. Yes. It's like you're expecting the unexpected. It's a it's something to occupy yourself with. Mm -hmm. I've been there too. That's why I'm saying I get this. And then wait, would this happen though? When you do see the person, then you like suddenly relax because you're like you're together. You're happy to see each other. Mm -hmm. You you see him right in front of you or her, and you're like, oh, the worst hasn't happened. You know, it's like yes, and it's that cycle, and that's kind of like okay, well, yes. Oh gosh, what is that? Fucked up bullshit. (laughs) and that's enough to get you through it because yeah, somehow that, like, activates the reward system. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a definite cycle that I've been in before. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're, like, a, you spend the, when you're you're by yourself and your brain goes crazy and stuff like that, for a good reason, because, you know, that's been, they've maybe not treated you that well and stuff like that, so your brain's sort of taking that and, and going, well, yeah, this is the way things are, and then you see the person, and then in that particular instance, they're not, you know, things are okay, so you relax. I yeah, heard. yeah, no, it's, like, because when you're away from somebody and you see them again, They're probably going to be on their best behavior, you know, but your brain is like, uh, -uh." it's a hard one. Maybe uh, we we bought the body keeps a score ages ago. Yeah. There's probably something in there about that because it is like a disconnect between those sensations in your body and then you intellectualizing like, oh, this person isn't fucking someone right now. The (laughs) way I imagined it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not like um it's not like you've worked yourself up into a frenzy like there's something there's there's a physical component to it. There has to be because yeah. you feel it. I, I think it's some like neurological like liter- like a groove with the plasticity in your brain. You can Yeah. All right. We um we don't know. We so are we're not gonna, experts on any we're of this. Not, no, but we're going to we are going to look into it. But anyway, wait, so she uh, towards the end of this, she goes back to Williams is that oh that's her last name barb no (laughs) is it (laughs) yes fuck no paula williams Oh, Paula Williams. Who is Paula Williams, Barbara? Her contacts at the University, I think, of Utah suggested one more researcher for me to look up while I was in Utah. Paula Williams. She is a psychology professor who has spent most of her career studying the factors that make us more able to weather life's tough blows, like getting enough sleep. So Williams is saying, for women, breaches of major attachment and betrayal are a major stress. Maybe some of the most stressful of all, which I'm curious about. Like, why is betrayal so awful because I definitely feel that like that's But she kind of answers it. I think it has something to do with social rejection. Mm. She studies individuals. And she is a big fan of the so-called big five personality theory, uh, which is the idea that the traits defining how individuals move through the world can be broken into five broad categories. Introversions slash extroversion, neuroticism, conscientiousness, agreeability, and openness to experience. And it's generally assumed that these traits, like IQ, change very little over our lives, or at least not much until we are geriatric. Woo! And then where we fall on the spectrum of these traits can influence our health and behaviors. All those traits have upsides and downsides, but the one trait that in general is linked with many desirable qualities is openness. What is openness, Parker? Well, openness is like some of the qualities are like curiosity, mental flexibility, creativity. And Williams and others have also noticed that high openness appears strongly related to the ability to recover from stressful events. And then she says, if you are connected to art, nature, and beauty, you are periodically being forced out of yourself to think about connectedness to something bigger than you. So that is openness. And this is what she's setting up for her whole thesis. Well, uh, does she have an openness to art, Barbara? Or beauty? No, it's nature. It's nature. It is nature. Does she have an openness to amateur guitar players? Unfortunately, yes. She tries her best. So now we're in chapter five. And she meets a man. Uh, Yes. So chapter five, she goes to a conference. She meets a man named Ennis. She's talking to Ennis about what she's up to, her divorce. He'd also been divorced and uh, they exchange numbers. She leaves the party. She gets a phone call from him. He's like, "Uh, we should make out. And she was surprised. Yeah. Because she'd been talking to him about this stuff. And then uh, he called her and said, we should make out. So they meet and they make out. And she hasn't made out with anyone else in 32 years. And she probably... I know she'd had sexual experiences or, or at least romantic experiences before she met her husband when she was fucking 18. Okay. But so, yeah. So when she was a child, she had some yeah. other experiences. But as an adult, I don't believe she has. So she, she meets up with Ennis and they make out and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So they agree that they're going to have a visit. Yeah. Wait, she, wait, can I make a yeah. just one point before this? Yeah. I think... That he agrees to make a visit because after they make out, she sends him back to his room. They don't fuck. And I've had an experience where I met someone in a hotel when we were over. We, were we, stuck we in missed a, our flight. We missed our flight. We missed our flight. <laughs> From Heathrow Look, to who LA. who knew that at Heathrow, you needed more than 20 minutes to get through customs? <laughs> and I, walked, not me, not walked, me. Walk 10 miles to get, and <laughs> our baggage was lost. Yeah. A lot of things happened. Yeah. That night in the hotel, I was like, I'm going to go down to the bar and draw, and, and there was like a just all of a sudden in a cloud of uh, young gendarmes. Uh, oui, French. French, French uh, gendarmes. Very and, uh, handsome. Very handsome. They're, and i always remember there's, they all wanted pamplemousse juice because they thought it was the funniest thing in the world to ask for pamplemousse juice. <laughs> oui, it has a rhyme to it. It's very, uh, très belle. Tu sais pamplemousse juice. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're drunk. And then I heard, what are you writing? And I turned around. I usually would not turn around. And then I saw this man. And then we talked for... And then he walked me back to my room, Mm -hmm. and we said it was nice to see each other, and then he left, and then he knocked on the door, and he came in, and we made out, and we did not have uh, uh, sex. No? No, because um, I had a feeling if we had sex, I would never ever see him again, and I would go, (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) And we've stayed in touch, and now it's been like almost 20 years, and we still hang out, and we still... See what happens when I make the travel plans? (laughs) Oh, merci. <laughs> no, I just want to make the point that if you fuck somebody when you first met them, you will not see them again. <laughs> You will not um, this man is very nice but w- all the mystery would have been gone instead <laughs> yeah. we've like visited each other on many in many different countries and we adore each other we know each other's families mm-hmm. that would not have been possible if we had sex right away it is just not the way it works no um he listened to us uh, do our podcast <laughs> uh, our last one with the uh, poubell twins and he go um, what accent were you doing was it German <laughs> yeah, I know. so anyway yeah um so yeah so she 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 gets nervous after she invites him to come visit Mm -hmm. she kind of talks to a friend about it she she talks it over like this and this and this and what do you think the uh the friend says um he's great and she says (laughs) no red flags no red flags and this is where i'm like florence one page later Mirror, like one page. One page later, Ennis was flying out to visit soon. We'd been discussing logistics. He wanted me to line up a guitar he could borrow. Fly. Florence. Florence, what are it you wasn't, doing? It wasn't too late. It wasn't at that to point. At that point, you could have said, I hope you got travel insurance. Yes. No, I'm not getting you a guitar that you could borrow. No, if you don't have your own guitar in your case that you travel with already, you don't deserve to play a guitar. You don't deserve to play shitty songs in my home. It's going to be shitty. It's going to be shitty. Whatever you play, it's going to be, it's going to be garbage. It's going to be garbage. Yeah. We don't need you, sir, to serenade with. Like a slowed down version of Led Zeppelin or whatever the fuck you're going to do. I was going to say Hootie. Hootie, that's another one. What did he play? Let's see. Bob Dylan. Oh, (sighs) no. Fucking fuck. 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 But Barbara. What? Before he played what would be Dylan and Petty. Fuck. Heady too. She picks him up. She picks him up from the airport. That was nice of her to go and pick him up. Yeah, it was. In her car. Annis arrived curbside in a black t-shirt and black jeans. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sir, I know you're, you're rocking. Did, oh. did the pockets on those jeans have like that really heavy stitching? Like at Hardy, like. <laughs> a large duffel. Okay. Again, second red flag. Really? You're traveling with a duffel bag? Not yeah. a, not a suitcase? Sunglasses. He was going for the nerd rock star look. Does that answer your question about the pockets? Yeah, jury's still out. Maybe he was nervous too. How do you. I, li- I like how she describes what he's wearing and then sums it up with maybe he was nervous yeah. too. <laughs> and and forgot how to dress himself. Yeah. <laughs> we kissed for a bit, both smiling in the glaring, flat midday sun. Can I drive? He asked. Okay, why? <laughs> I just like to drive. Back at the Love Shack, he tried out the guitar. He strummed some Dylan uh, and Petty. Stop it, Pierrot. hurting my ear. His voice was not great. But he crooned earnestly, oh, God. soulfully. Oh no. That is why. I looked around and marveled. What? Here was a living <laughs> flesh covered man. This is a very high bar, very high standards right here. <laughs> One who had gray eyes and well-developed quadriceps. Quadriceps, huh? singing to me in a borrowed house in Colorado. He was adorable. He had fallen from the sky. And he wanted to touch me. Now, here's the part I like the most. He put the guitar down. Thank God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Okay, back to the other stuff. I straddled him on the couch. We made out and then moved to the bedroom. I was ready. You know what? What? How? How what? How could you fucking be ready (laughs) after all that? Lady, you are a fucking modern day miracle. (laughs) Apparently, I'm just, can I keep reading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently readier than he was. That's a nice way to put that. That's very diplomatic. He cleared his throat. All in good time, he said. I realized that meant he didn't have an erection. I guess I'm nervous, he said. We focused on me, and that was very nice. Well, that sounds like everything's going to turn out fine. Next let's sentence. Oh. He seemed tired. He'd had a long day. Can we get some food? I said yes. Um, I, let's not give away everything that happened. And All was right, okay. It didn't turn out well no it didn't we could tear this guy to shreds for i think like another hour (laughs) i do like some other notes i made on this chapter i'll just tell you are oh god no and then a giant no and i I have a giant eel (laughs) it gets worse and you know what I, i think it's it's an interesting story so please read it really we're not gonna see what happened at all like they never actually fuck And he blames her for it. Because he has proclivities that were not discussed beforehand. Ah, yes. That he sprung on her. There are elements of non-consent. Yes. And let's just say that duffel bag was full of duffel bad. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) All right, let's move on then. Okay, so part six. All pain is one malady. Rejection. So she feels, he, he ends up uh, rejecting her and blaming her for this not working out. So now she's in a deeper hole than she was before. It, part two is also called alone. Yeah. So it's good. She tried something out. It, it failed b- horribly. It blew up in her face. Yeah. Um, her friend in part six gets mad at her. She tells her friend what happened. Um, here's the sentence that might, might help you <laughs> figure out what happened. The harem, he told me, skewed young. So that's what he had going on. Yeah. She looked mad, but she was mad at me. Look, he's got some stuff about sex and women, but it's up to you to be the guardian of you. She rattled her sandwich at me. She went on. Your marriage was a long, slow starvation diet, and now everything seems delicious. And it's not. Maybe you need to send that shit sandwich right back and say, look, with respect, I ordered the wrong thing. I actually wanted a nice meal. I wish I'd had a friend like that throughout my life, you know, to, to give me some ins." Oh, is it you. <laughs> She, Vera, just give me a look <laughs> when you're when you're starving, Vera, i when I think about some of the things, like, gosh, there was a guy who I was like, we had an on and off thing. It was never good. Yeah, I would always end up angry. Sounds good. And it was hard to, like pin him down for stuff. Uh-huh. And one time I texted him like at eight in the morning, yeah, I said, let's have a threesome that this will solve everything. And he was like he responded right away. He made all the plans. He, and I was like, Oh, my God, this is amazing. You, you're he finally likes, able to connect yes, with him I on know, an emotional yes. level. You found. That is beautiful, Barbara. I, it, yeah, we turned a corner. I don't know what it was, but like <laughs> what the magic words were. But really, that's all it took, Barbara, just opening your heart to a third person in your relationship. <laughs> that's all it took. I, if only I'd known, you know, it's like, oh, some people just, they need you to see them for them. And then the other person that's going <laughs> to be there. Okay. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. So sad. It, so sad. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, sad. So she talks about social rejection, and I am so fascinated by this, and I identify with this so much. Yeah, so social rejection. There's a sentence here that goes, uh, speaking about Ennis, So her friend's name is Julia. Julia pointed out that I was feeling very fragile, and that's why I was taking the week's failures with Ennis so hard. And then she says, there's a lot about him that is compelling and intriguing and fucked up in ways that might take years to sort out. And this depressed the shit out of me. Why Mm. is this her burden? Why did this man who... She had told about her sadness and brokenness over this divorce, then come and make it even worse. Why did he do that? Vera, I've been in that situation where I've been through a very bad breakup mm-hmm. and the next person I dated knew everything because you wanted to talk about it and his ex as well yeah and then did the exact same things I don't know if it's narcissism if it's like wait the way men are socialized it's not uncommon does this go back to like it's the groove <laughs> this is the something that's familiar and therefore comfortable even though it's terrible why a woman would want that stuff no I mean like what I don't know but that's terrible Barbara <laughs> That's yeah, a real drag. <laughs> it's confusing, but it's not. I, d- I don't know why that happens, but it's not abnormal. And don't be surprised if it happens to you. I guess that's a good reason. That is a good reason for not jumping back into something because it could leave things worse off than they were before. I mean, how terrible is that, Barbara? To get rejected by somebody who didn't didn't even bring his own guitar to play Tom Petty at you, you know? She talks to Kipling Williams, her other Brother. How many fucking Williamses <laughs> are there in this book? <laughs> He's a social psychologist at Purdue University. So she, yeah, so, so then she says there's a direct line between heartbreak and fragility. The words are etymological... It's Cousins. Mm-hmm. Broken shards all around. Shards? Yes. Shards are coming up again. Okay. Just like they did in the last ch- couple chapters ago. So there are now whole subcategories within psychology specializing in social rejection, sometimes called social exclusion or ostracization. Ostrich. Ostrich, yes, uh, as well as partner separation, partner loss, and, of course, grief. So Kipling Williams is a social psychologist at Purdue University. He attributes the field's recent popularity to an unfortunate trend, mass shootings, in which perpetrators are often found to be social outcasts, spurned or just ignored by peers and romantic interests. Uh, And then later she goes, there's an experiment, and a group of people are told that they're going to be lonely their whole life, and then they test them. And it turns out that people who think that who are dealing with social rejection, their higher order cognitive thinking takes a hit. Mm. And you know, I think I relate to that. I think I'm very sensitive to social rejection. I'm not sure where that originated from, but I remember like being in high school and like a couple days in, I I hid in the bathroom during lunch because I wasn't clicking with people the way I want to. And then actually in college, and I've talked about this before, I tried to make some friends, it didn't work. And I literally ate every meal by myself almost the entire time I was at school. Aww. But I would rather do that than try and fit in with people that I did not feel I could relate to. And I think I had tried and like I tried to make a connection with a guy and he was like, oh, you're hitting on me. You know, like a couple of little things like that happened and I was like, fuck it. So I'm very sensitive to that stuff. You know, I want to say, Barbara, to you that we just went um, over the weekend to the uh, first birthday of a little boy named Oliver and his mother is Lauren Lee. She sings our opening song and you met her in college and that was 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think you and I are both the same. Like we m- have one or two good friends and we're not that great with um I mean, we love our roller coven. That's for sure. But I think it was hard for both of us to make friends. Bibi, why did we go to separate colleges aside from the fact that they had uh, things that we wanted to study in them? They really C- should have. we hated each other. Oh, yeah. <sighs> I, totally I, forgot <laughs> I forgot that. We didn't hate each other, but we did want to get away from each other. Yeah. I'm watching my child go through this in elementary school. He doesn't have a lot of close friends. And I keep saying, you got to find your tribe. You got to find your tribe. You haven't found your tribe yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to watch him go through it. But I also didn't feel like I made very close friends in college. But you do get the one or two people that now you've known for 50 years. But you seem like you had a group, though. You had housemates that you chose to live with. Yeah, but that wasn't until year three. Yeah. It took me a while. The first the first year was really hard. Does this sound familiar to you? I hooked up with a couple different people who would just talk at me, and I would prefer to be with them yeah. than be alone. Totally. I, did, I did. Yeah, I mean, I, the, my college was a little more like... You know, it was gothy and there's still like a bitchy clique that I tried to fit in with. And then I think they were kind of mean to me. Now we're talking about me and not the book. Let's get back. Bebe, I'm really sorry that you were lonely. You know, I'll say this. I didn't really know how to be friends with women. Mm-hmm. And so I would attract straight dudes to me because it's what you're saying like then you can have a connection she also says she did this before she got married like it was her way to connect with people is having romantic attachments Mm. and it's it is like it's a way to secure a buddy you know yeah yeah but now I have so many female friends it's really freeing actually to not rely on romantic interest from people because yeah. it's also like it's burdensome and if you don't love that person you are just relying on the attention and it's- hoping that it doesn't end because yeah and it always will end because you won't want to give what they want you know I'll say this Barbara I also have like a group of women friends now like I was thinking just yesterday sometimes I text my friends like all day long you know mm-hmm. 10 years ago that was not the case mm-hmm. and I, I can tell you exactly what changed and why Ooh, what was it it's 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 kind of a long story but I think it sort of started I have we have our friend Tammy mm-hmm. who I've always been friendly with our friend Ashley had gotten into a car wreck and Tammy said, let's go visit her in the hospital. And I'd sort of worked with Ashley, but didn't really know her, I'd seen her around. She even looked like the kind of person that I'd be friends with, but we never talked. Mm -hmm. And we'd worked together for years and we went to visit Ashley in the hospital, which was for me, not something that I would do usually like go visit sort of a semi stranger in the hospital. But Mm -hmm. I did it. And I think it opened up something in my brain that said, you need to do this for people. When people are hurt, you need to go Uh do the bare minimum, which is go visit them. Uh So we went and visited her. And from there, like Tammy and Ashley had been hanging out. So I started hanging out with them more like at lunches and that type of thing. And then I mean, Ashley and Tammy now are my two closest friends after you and also Lisa and and cut to now we send each other pictures of penises things or, that look things, that, things that look, look like, like penises. yeah don't not and we've never sent an actual no. penis I mean the thing that could look like a penis is like a pink hairbrush but still we find it hilarious it really it really took me doing something like that to sort of to sort of tell myself like this is what you do for people Oh, this might be a good wrap-up. Yeah? Because you were very moved by Blaine helping you. Yeah. It is a thing. Like, I I felt very closed off before. I was very, like, only thought about, like, within myself. So I would say if you are having trouble making friends, I would look to help people. And that also is, like just really helps your brain makes your brain feel really good giving gets addictive mm-hmm. not that this was charity or anything but being open and, and doing stuff for other people absolutely becomes addictive so there's that iris murdoch quote which you did you say the iris murdoch quote i don't remember okay let's hear it and maybe i'll remember it is that love is the extremely difficult realization that something other than oneself is real whoa i've never heard that before no wow how interesting yeah i love it She's my favorite author. So, She's an Irish author, huh? Irish, British. I mean, she was born in Ireland, but lived mostly in England. So Briarland. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more to say, but maybe you should pick up the book and and read along with us because we are only like one sixteenth of the way through. Yes. So, <laughs> Yes. You have time to read it. It's a good book. It is. And um, the science is awesome. And you really want to find out what happened with Ennis, don't yeah, you? Yeah, don't you? Don't you? Ooh, Dian- Ooh it's Oh, bad. It's, it's bad. It's bad. It's really bad. It's not good. Okay. Well, we'll see you guys soon. Bye. 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 One to kill the bear. Wow. Hi. this is name. You heard me say over and over, over and over, over and over that the Daily Ladies Podcast could use your contribution to dollar sign Daity Ladies on Cash App. So what are you waiting for? And also, remember about those five stars? Give them to the daily Ladies. What is it? Can it take you more than two minutes? I mean, your review could just say, it's a great podcast. Okay, I think I've said my piece. nene!